Welcome to the Plant Grow Reap podcast. Welcome to Plant Grow Reap. I'm your host, James Stephen, and with me today, I've got Tony Hammond. Tony is our in-house mortgage expert, and uh, Tony's here today to, to hopefully enlighten us about some tips and, and strategies we can use to um, maximize our journey along the um, homeowning or property owning path. Hey, Tony, how are you doing? Hey, James. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me along. No worries. Um, so why don't we just start off and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the industry. Yeah, sure, sure. Look, I, I um, started my finance career 23 years ago. I was a cadet uh, with uh, Commonwealth Bank. I was selling insurance, cold calling insurance, that sort of stuff. It was a tough gig. Um, and I met a fellow that was a residential home lender at uh, Commonwealth Bank, sat in on one of his interviews, and I knew from that moment that's what I wanted to do. I saw the life-changing elements in his discussion, um, his ability to create a solution for the for the borrower, and I knew, as I said, that was what I wanted to do from day one. So I put my hand up um, and got a gig. This is in Geelong, 20-odd years ago, um, and just loved it, just love it. I love first-home buyers, but I love savvy investors as well. Um, but my thirst for knowledge in residential lending just grew and grew over time. Um, I became a senior um, residential lender, um, dabbled in broking early in my career, uh, went into commercial banking uh, with Westpac uh, most recently, um, and I've ended up at Aintree Group loving it. So um, it is a an extensive career, um, and over the 23-odd years, I've developed skills and experiences that allow me to pretty much lend anything to anyone. Mm. Well, no, that's interesting, Tony. Uh, I mean, one thing I've often wondered about the mortgage broking space is, I mean, are all mortgage brokers the same, like in their skill set? Is it is it a case of uh, you get a mortgage broker, they can all handle all the types of loans? or uh, Not necessarily. You'll, you'll find that some people will do mortgage broking as a, a kind of a side hustle. It complements their main income source. Um, they do it on occasion. They might do it part-time. Some will um, work solely with PAYG mums and dads and do residential lending. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. Uh, you'll have more experienced mortgage brokers that, like me, have a thirst for knowledge and want to be able to lend anything to anyone. Uh, they are few and far between. They are usually the head of the mortgage broking firm and they have specific accreditations to do commercial lending. Um, there is a lot more uh, regulation around that. Um, people aren't aware of. There's a lot more to do with the accreditation and it's a harder gig because your lending is very complex, much like what we have at uh, Entry Group where you've got lending where the borrower owns four or five companies, three or four trusts. Um, there's company guarantees, there's fixed and floating charges or uh, guarantees of some kind. Um, they are very complex and there's a lot of work that goes into those deals. Mm. Um, so not every broker is the same, um, but we're all bound by the same 
regulations that, and that is to act in the best interests of the client. Yeah. No, no, I, I sort of I, I realised that along the way a little bit in that some brokers I would deal with would specifically say, look, I can't take that business on. I, 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 that's not what I do. Yep. So they tended to be more on that resi side, yeah. residential side. So, I mean, obviously that's why you're at Aintree because being a, a, you know, a multi-service business, there's going to be a lot more complexity. Absolutely. Um, so why don't we get a little bit more into the, the lending itself just so for, for the people um, watching and listening. Yeah. Maybe they can pick something up and maybe a strategy that they could maybe look at. So, you know, just let's, let's look at the big picture. What are some of the most common myths that you run across in lending? I come across two most common myths almost weekly. Uh, the first is banks don't like self-employed people. Uh, I'm self-employed. I'll never get a loan. That's not necessarily the case. It comes down to the talent and experience of the individual bank assessor. Um, so you'll have some banks that won't touch self-employed people simply because they don't have the skill set to an analyse financial statements. You'll get um, lenders out there that specialise only in self-employed people mm. because they've got that talent pool to understand what a financial statement is, what a tax return is, and how to extrapolate the data um, across multiple entities or just one entity. Um, so banks do like self-employed people. You just need to present the facts that they need. Um, you can't just say, I earned $500,000 a year last year, but you don't have the financial uh, statements to support that. You need to be able to prove that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. A second one is, and I, I, I come across it less now, but it is, and in particular at first home buyers that say, I have to go and get a credit card because I need to get a credit history. That's simply untrue. If you've got a mobile phone, you've got a credit history because you, if you put it on a plan, Telstra or Optus or whoever it might be, we'll do a credit inquiry on you. Um, so you'll have a credit history. The other thing too is that if you're getting a credit card simply to get a home loan, you've got to make sure that that credit card is managed properly. One missed payment could mean the difference between a yes or no to your home loan approval. Mm. So... If you don't need the credit, don't get the credit. Yeah, well, I mean that's interesting. But it wasn't there also an issue where if you got a credit card, they look at uh, the the sort of the credit availability. Yeah. Um, you know, is it impacts your ability to get a loan or how that's much right. you can get? That's right. That's right. So if you've got, let's say, um, you're young and you said yes to every credit um, increase they offered, mm -hmm. and you end up with a fifteen thousand dollar credit card you never use. Banks will use the limit rather than what you owe on that card as a borrowing measure. Mm. So banks will, to, and I'm saying banks, but all lenders across the board will calculate your borrowing commitment to that card, even if it's not being used, at 3.8% of its limit. So if you've got a $15,000 credit card, again, it could be the difference between getting a yes or no from your bank. Okay. So it does sound like in some cases it's probably best to speak to the broker before you want to go down yeah, that path, just absolutely. so you can get your ducks lined up. Yeah, and well before you, we position it with the bank, have a look at your spending habits as well. If you're spending frivolously um, in the lead up to applying for a home loan, and when I say frivolously, it's um, uh, there's a lot of sports bet. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if there's a lot of unnecessary spending in relation to that, the banks will or the lender will look at that and say, well, that's the level of spending you adopt. 
when you get your home loan, you're going to have that level of spending. It could affect the amount that you're able to borrow. Yeah. So, and, and when I say prior to getting your home loan approval, about three months prior to or even approaching a bank, look at how much you can save rather than how much you can spend. Mm. Yeah, well, that was, a, that was an interesting point there because I, I would think it would, it would make sense to to meet up with your broker at mm. a certain period before you apply just so they can take you through the do's and don'ts. Absolutely. Just to get everything lined up. So all those points you made before, they could all be sort of cleaned up a bit. And So you're saying three months would be about right or a bit yeah, longer? Yeah, look, I've got um, potential borrowers, and I say potential borrowers because they're on my book and they're, they've come to me saying, what do I need to do? to get my best chance of approval. Uh, so it is, what what's your savings position now? Do you have a savings pattern or do you have a savings plan? Um, if you're borrowing on your own, what's your income level now? Um, and are you expecting any increases to your pay? What sort of areas are you looking at? And we devise a an action plan of things that to put together so you've got your best chance of approval when you go to the bank. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Um, I mean, for some people, you probably find that three months isn't long enough. I mean, they've got to be, you know, they've got to do some a fair bit of homework just to get everything lined up um, for that period. But at least, at least at that point, they know what the timelines are, what their expectations are. Yeah, yeah. Um, no two people, no two borrowers are the same, and we'll have people that have just come back from an overseas holiday and spent all their savings or they've just met up with a girlfriend, they've got engaged and they're planning for a wedding, or we've just at the opposite end of the scale, I've just separated from my wife and I'm starting again. What do I need to do? Everyone's circumstance is different. Uh, so we need to be objective and think about that one person and who the lucky lender is going to be uh, that we position their lend with. Mm, okay, so so that's obviously an important part of the process. So let's maybe look at the loans themselves. So once we're going into that loan pro process with the clients, what are some of the, the things that people need to understand? Uh, what are some things you look at when you're trying to um, set up a structure for the client? Yeah. Trying to get those home loans set up just right for their circumstances. What are we looking at there? Look... When, when I speak to any potential borrower, um, a client that comes to me, we'll go through a, a, a period of discovery where I'm getting to understand the, the personal persons um, that are potentially borrowing, what their um, situation is personally, what their financial position is, um, and we look at where they want to go. Uh, what do they want to do? Do they want a pre-approval? Do they want to refinance a debt or whatever it may be? Um, and then I have to, I have to act in the best interest of the client. So I'll position up five, six, seven different lenders that um, are suitable for the need of the client and then recommend one above all else that really ticks every box. Um, and then we approach that, that lender um, after the client accepts that proposal. So there is a statement of credit assistance that I have to provide, which details every nut and bolt behind it um, so that the clients are well informed of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Okay. So when you're, so, so you've given them the, the game plan, so yeah. they know what to expect. Yeah. They're happy with it. They've looked at it. They've, they've accepted it. Um, do you take, so you take them through the whole process then? Absolutely. So, you, right, so right from the start to, to yeah. settlement. 
Yep. Right through to settlement and beyond. Um, I often say that settlement is the start of the relationship because we've got that debt now. We need to manage it. So I'm going to work with you on how we get rid of this debt we've just gotten. Seems funny to say, but we know that we want the house. We don't want the debt. The bank wants you to have the debt because they earn money off it. But there are tips and tricks on, on how to get rid of this debt as fast as you possibly can. And I always say to my clients, regardless of how often you get paid, pay it fortnightly. Mm. Why? It. Why? What's the special deal Well, the premise that? behind that is that um, interest on your loan is calculated on the outstanding daily balance. Mm. So every day you let it uh, sit there, it's accruing interest that you have to pay at the end of the month. If you inject half your monthly payment halfway through the month, so you pay it midway through the month, that entire payment comes off the principal. So you're getting charged less interest in the latter half of that month. That's one thing. The other thing is that there are 12 months in the year, but if you're paying 26 fortnights, that's 13 months worth of payment. So you're paying an extra month without even realizing it. Mm. Now, banks don't often say that's the best way to do it because they know they're earning more interest the slower you pay. Have you, have you ever actually looked into, you know, what sort of, how quickly, well, how much time you'd save off your home loan if you did that strategy versus just pay monthly? Is there so a, if you had, yeah. and it's a sizable debt, but if you had um, a debt of say 800,000 and you converted it from monthly to fortnightly, mm -hmm. you'd save yourself about $70,000 a year uh, so over the course of the loan, sorry. And is there like, you know, if you sort of had a 30-year timeline, so you started off with 30 years, yeah. is there a, how many, how quicker will that loan be paid off? Do you Typically know? between 17 and 18 years. Okay. So, so, it, so huge it is a reduction huge just reduction. by doing that one thing. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. In the past, there used to be seminars on exactly this, that you'd pay someone to get up in front of you and talk to you about how you can save interest on your, on your, um, on your mortgage. Well, it's really quite simple. Just pay half as much, twice as often. And the other thing too is if, if you're uh, obligated to pay a fortnightly repayment of say, I don't know, $797, round it up to $800, it's $3 a fortnight. You're not going to miss that $3, no, but that $3 comes straight off your principal. And again, you get charged less interest over the term of the loan. Wow, so it's just simple as that mm -hmm. um, and you can save a significant amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I say to all of my borrowers, pay as often as you can, as much as you can, without it affecting your lifestyle. It's important that this mortgage, which has delivered you the beautiful home you're living in, is not something ruling your life. Like banks will make sure that you, you have a lifestyle that um, you can manage that you can um, enjoy the home that you've just bought or built um, and that it's not ruling your life, that you're on two-minute noodles and glasses of water. Yeah, no, I think you there's a, a balancing act. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So if you've got – so so that's obviously a great way to save interest and, and pay for your mortgage quicker. Are there any other things you can do to to sort of um, save interest on your loan or make things a bit easier for yourself? Well, look – they're, they're the main things. I mean, I do have clients that uh, come to me a refinance and mm. they've been uh, paying their mortgage back loyally for the last four years. So they're 26 years into their 30-year contract, but they're finding they're getting nowhere with that, that particular bank. Interest rates might be high or you can only pay monthly or there's a $10 monthly service fee or whatever it may be. 
And they've come to me and we've found, and this is a re recent case, where we've saved a percent off their their um, uh, their interest rates, so they're they're down into the mid fives rather than the high high sixes. Yeah. They're saving them th themselves a thousand dollars a fortnight, a thousand dollars a fortnight. Now it's back in their pocket. What they've decided to do, and what they asked me to do, is can we do a thirty-year contract? So we're resetting the clock. Mm. What that's achieving is giving them a lower repayment, marginally lower. But the saving of a thousand dollars a fortnight, because they've been so conditioned into paying that higher level of interest, they've decided to pay that extra thousand dollars directly off the loan again. Okay, so they're not going to be negatively impacted. They'll pay it off quicker. Yeah, it's not always Still. advisable to to reset the clock and and because you've already paid interest on four years of a mm -hmm. loan in this example. But what the clients are doing is is negating that by putting the the savings back onto the loan. They're being very aggressive with the loan and it's voluntary. So they can decide at Christmas time when they want to go to Bali or whatever it is that they can scale back their repayments to what the minimum required amount is. They are in charge. Okay, they are so ruling the mortgage. That's interesting. So refinancing obviously can have benefits, but you've got to be careful because you are resetting the clock. Yeah. There's more interest to pay if you don't pay any extra. It's back on my best, best interest duty. Now, you're asking for a 30-year term. Are you aware of and do you understand that? I have to have that conversation mm. about pay, potentially paying more interest. But my clients were, were quite steadfast in we understand that, we acknowledge that, but we are planning to do X, Y and Z to offset that. Okay, so um, it's awareness piece. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, just speaking about the interest and saving interest, there's been a lot of talk on the fixed interest rate cliff, mm. people coming off it. What's what what's the situation there? What happens so if I'm on a fixed interest and I go on to variable? Because yep. obviously my my um, terms up. I'm yep. a, you know my one point nine nine or whatever I had during COVID is finished. What are the banks going to do? Are they going to put me on the best rate, or, or are they going to do something else? One month out of your fixed term expiry, uh, if you're on one point nine nine, let's say. You're about to come off your uh, fixed term and it's expiring 30 June or 30th November, whatever it is. They have to give you 30 days notice. You will revert to the standard variable rate. The standard variable rate is the highest rate of a variable rate loan that you can get. So you'll be looking at a letter that says you're about to come off 1.99 and you're going to 7.59. Now that generally puts chills down people's spines mm. because that, that's an extra where am i going to come up with that money so they look at what are their options sometimes the bank will say okay we'll we'll, we'll roll that back and we'll, we'll reduce your rate down um, on this case because you've been a loyal customer sometimes they don't and say i'm sorry but the rate is 7.59 wow. i get a lot of those inquiries and we will try and avoid needing to refinance. We'll, I'll approach the, the bank for them on their behalf and say, your client is about to leave. Can we get a, a rate of X, 6% or whatever it is? Um, I always go in with a little bit under that um, because I try and negotiate the rate up for the client. Um, they'll come back and say, yes, we'll, we'll honor that. No, we won't. Um, we'll give them 7% rather than 7.59 or most recently, no, there's a pricing embargo. We're not changing our rate whatsoever. 
Um, so it gives us the opportunity then to say, let's place it with a bank that will look after you. Yeah, so um, really it's it's you, your first step, you negotiate with a bank, give them the first chance just to reduce it. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people, they have. I mean, literally it's, it's it was that high rate of 7.8. They've called the bank. The bank's come been more realistic, put it down to the whatever's the competitive rate of the day. Yeah. And that's it. Done. Yeah. But not everyone gets that, as you said. No, no, not. And it's dependent on the lender mm-hmm. um, and their appetite in the market. If they're scrambling to um, maintain market share, they may drop the rate to retain the client and therefore retain market share. Others, they're, they're price sensitive and they won't reduce it. And I have clients that will say, I was on the phone to them for an hour and a half and I'm still waiting. I can't be bothered. Um, I know it will save me money if they are, uh, offer me a rate discount, but I can't be bothered. So I'll get on the phone for them. I'll um, reach out to business development managers, say to them, you're going to lose this business if you, we don't do something. Um, it's it's part of the, the journey that we have. So like for me, getting people into debt or, or helping them with their first home, refinancing, doing commercial development, whatever it is, is part and parcel of the role as is managing the client's debt post-approval or post-settlement. Hmm. It's just as critical. No, no, no that, that does sound important. So I suppose one one big question a lot of people have, and I, this would be useful if you could sort of articulate it for the listeners, it, what is the difference between going to the bank to get your loan and going to a broker? So, you know, what like is it going to cost more to go to a broker? Like What's the difference? Like, why don't I just go to my bank? Like, what, what are you going to do for me? Oh, there's no harm in going to your bank. Um, in the past, we would have had um, families that were loyal to a bank for generations. You know, my dad was with State Bank, so I go to the State Bank, and now that's the Commonwealth Bank, and we all, the whole family banks with them. That loyalty is kind of skewed now. Um, there's a generational change where... It's about me and what's in in it for me. Now, if I go to my bank um, and approach them for a loan, I'll get their loan. Their loan, their terms and conditions, their fees, that's it. What a mortgage broker does is opens you up to a world of choice. Now, I say a world of choice. We've got 59 lenders on our panel, 59 different... that many lenders? (laughs) Well, there's more than that, but... um, and that includes commercial, that yeah, includes okay. asset finance, includes uh, wholesale funding, includes every lender that we're accredited at Aintree mm-hmm. Group to do. Um, it gives the client choice. Uh, and we can see across the board who's going to ha- have, A, the lowest rate. And the lowest rate's not always the best rate. No. The lowest rate tends to offer the less op- the least amount of options. So somewhere in between where it's a decent competitive rate that's no fuss, easy to manage, and that may not come from your existing bank. It may come from a bank or a lender you've heard of, but you haven't had any dealings with. Macquarie, for example, doesn't have um, branch presence or anything like that, but they have a great funding suite Mm. um, and they're great with their client base. we have um, access to subprime lenders and subprime lenders, well, your bank, you might have missed a, a credit card payment recently and you're applying through your bank 
to get financed and they'll see that missed payment and go, mm, oh, I don't like that, you can't manage your debt. There are second tier or subprime lenders that will look at that and go, life happens, doesn't it? You know, you missed a payment because it was Christmas or you missed a payment because you moved addresses or, or whatever it is. You need that choice mm. and that's what a broker will do for you. So you'll bring that to the table. Um You'll also help them with the paperwork you mentioned from start Absolutely. to finish. So they don't have to fill out anything really themselves unless, you know, it's specific that you yeah. can't help with. And also with the um, – and your your fees are paid. Like you, you get paid. I get paid um, a salary. So from, it, Well, I mean just in terms of they don't have to pay you specifically. No, just, no, yeah. no, no, no. Um, the banks will pay Aintree Group mm -hmm. um, a commission for sourcing that work for them. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't come out of the client's pocket. No. Uh, so it's the it. same whether you're at the bank or the broker. That's right. The that's price. right. And, and I'm not incentivized by one bank or another um, to position the lending with them as a priority. Mm -hmm. it, it's always about the client's best interest. I am obligated to make sure that wherever I place it, it's in serving the best interest mm -hmm. of the client. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of... Uh, what sort of incentives the banks offer. Like you'll have banks and there's less of them now that say, oh, you come to me and I'll give you a $2,000 cash back. There's less of those, as I say, around at the moment. Um, that's not the overall incentive that I work with. Yes, it's a nice bonus mm -hmm. to get $2,000 from the bank, I guess. But what's the overarching and, and predominant need for the client is to, to get a debt that is manageable, that is cost-effective, that is competitive and is visible. I, I can get online and I can see what my debt is and I can manage it. I can move money around in it. Um, didn't get a cash back, but I'm saving $2,000 a month just by moving my mortgage. Yeah, that's, that's that, that would be my incentive, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's excellent. So, I mean, really, Tony, you've you've given us a lot of valuable information here today and oh, thank I, you. I mean i think um I, I i've always believed it is better to to go to the broker versus the bank just yep. because really as you say they've got the choice they can help you do all the paperwork and and help you sort of navigate the pitfalls as well on the paperwork just yep. to make sure the line goes through a bit smoother um and uh and you don't have to pay any extra so it seems like a pretty easy sort of thing to do um, so if someone was watching this and they wanted to get in touch with you, how's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, through our website. Website? Yeah, yeah, aintreegroupfinance.com.au. Yes, okay. So that's, that's the best way. So they go through that and contact you um, and uh, and then you make a time. Obviously. Or call me directly. Call you directly. Yeah, um, numbers, the, yeah, yeah 039851 mm -hmm. 7942. Oh, cool. So and you'll get so me directly. You get you directly, and then you'll just obviously hold their hand from. from Absolutely. Start the thing with uh, lending is that you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are afraid to say that to their mm -hmm. bank. I don't know what I need to do. Whereas they're comfortable coming to me and say, I don't know anything about mortgages. Can you help me? Yes, probably, Absolutely. probably best they don't say it to the bank. Otherwise, well, the bank will fleece them. Well, well I, I don't know that they, they necessarily mm. fleece them. It's that author authoritarian across the counter, explain mm. to me why we should uh, give you money. Whereas, um, tell me about what, what we're going to do with the money and I'll help you. Okay. No, that's great. Well, Tony, thanks. Thanks for your time today. You've My been pleasure. fantastic. Um, and hopefully all the listeners got something out of it. 
Um, and, you know, if you're okay with it, maybe down the track we can do a, a part two. Part two, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be Bring great. All right, Tony, thanks very much. No worries. Um, and, you've, and everyone, you've been listening to the uh, Plant Grow Re podcast, and uh, we'll see you shortly with the next segment. Thank you. Bye. Bye.